yo, yo, it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation! Wow, do we have a fun podcast for you today. I'm super excited because I got, uh, you might even call them my co-hosts, right? I got some people here that are interested in learning the tips and tricks from our DECA world champions or high placers, high performers. And uh, then, of course, we have those high performers and world champions that are going to be sharing with us. So what I'm going to do right now to just kind of kick us off is um, have our champs or high placers, uh, high performers, uh, just talk about what event they did. Uh, first, of course, their name, what event that they did. And uh, and then that way we'll get to know who's talking as we go through it. So that's um, kind of weird that my... I look back here, but it looks like that. So, all right. So, why don't I start over there with you, Brooklyn, and then we'll um, go to Columbia City. Okay. My name is Brooklyn Nichols. I was in the 18 to 24 age group, and I competed in all three events. Uh, so, the DECA Strong, the DECA Fit, and the DECA Mile. And, <laughs> and you were a champ? I was. I won the DECA Strong, the 18 to 24 age group. Okay. She won the DECA, DECA Strong, right? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, okay, and then Emily? Yes, uh, I'm Emily Morlock, and I competed in the DECA Strong um, 30 to 34 age group, and I went to the World Championship and got eighth place in my age group. Nice, nice. nice. Very good. And I just learned that your 30s is your prime. I'm excited about that. Well, I mean, not because I'm in my 30s, but I thought prime was 20s, so now I'm going to determine that prime is 40s. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Columbia City. Which way we want to go, Ricardo? Who are we going to start with? I'm Arrow. I, I did the 14 to 17 U uh, mile and the fit. And I placed fourth in the fit and fifth in the mile. Awesome. Awesome. Nice job. Nice job. I'm uh, Ricardo Mullinax. I got to participate at the World Championship in the fit and the strong. And I got 10th in the fit and ninth in the strong. Nice. Woo! Hey, Ricardo, you have a goal this year. Do you want to declare it on the podcast? Yeah, I'm going to win the strong. He's going to win the strong. We'll go to the tournament this year. All right. I love it. Um, I'm Raquel Molinax. I did the 13U age group, and I did the DECA strong, and I got placed second. Second in the DECA strong. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I'm Felice Molinax, and I was in all three events. I placed first in the fit, first in the mile, and second in the strong. Nice job. Nice job. Nice job. Okay. And right on time. Oh, no. Yes, especially late. <laughs> but we actually did, <laughs> we just went around and did, like, intros for what event everybody did. Oh, and cool. so, um, you know, uh, so it's... This is Megan Jacoby, women's pro elite, and uh, uh, so world champion, world champion, and that was for the Deco Mile, right? Yeah. Okay, awesome, awesome. So today is a podcast where I have co-hosts, I, I hope that even in Columbia City, 
that Ricardo might even help me to bring out some important stuff because the Columbia City Journey location are like a bunch of DECA gurus. They have the biggest DECA events and uh, a lot of fun training going on. They even got their own golden ram coming for the four by four. Uh, so we want to bring out all the important training tips. We want to uh, bring out like, you know, some of those strategies that you have at the different stations and the mindset. And I was already quoting you from yesterday. Oh. So, you know, I think we had some good mindset <laughs> discussions. Um, so, uh, you know, if we could, why don't we start over in Columbia City and uh, just get from you guys any particular training tips? I preface this by saying Ryan Kent was a big fan of like the EMOM, you know, for his training. What are you guys a fan of over there uh, to really build a great base and, uh, you know, be able to do well in these DECA events? Start us off, please. Um, well, I did a lot of uh, just because I'm in high school, so I was in cross country and wrestling leading up to the, the but we also met. Um, every weekend to either run through the deck of fit or do a deck of training, so running and doing all of the stations. Okay, so running and doing all the stations, running helped you build a good base? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, every week we would meet up and I would try to up my weights and we would do a deck of run through. Okay, nice. So every week was about getting just a little bit better with your weights. Yeah, nice. Okay. Ricardo, uh, yeah. I will say that one thing that was really helpful for me, so my, obviously, my claim to fame isn't that I finished ninth, but uh, I, my little story is that I finished in the strong at the end of the regular season. I was 29th, actually. And by some fluky miracle, they just kept rolling down and rolling down, and I got the last invite to the, uh, I got the last spot for the Deca Strong in the World Championship. Uh, so, but I thought, hey, man, I'll take it, you know. Um, so I went there and I trained very hard and I took it seriously. And uh, I managed to finish that race ninth, but I beat the uh, people who finished sixth, seventh, and ninth uh, in the regular season. So I felt really good about the accomplishment of how far I had come up. And so I just say that to set the stage for the fact that I think that the B3 bands were a very significant part of my training. And blood flow resistance bands, um, you know, by letting me do a lot of anaerobic training, uh, it really, I think that was a big part of why I improved so much and was able to make a, a big leap 29. Nice. And how far how far of a leap do you have to make this year since you have that goal to win your age group? Uh, how much time are you looking to shave off in order to accomplish that? Not a shave. It's a chop. Yeah. <laughs> it's a chop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's going to be a good three minutes just about. Uh, my world time was like 1535 for the strong and I need to be, you know, in the mid 12s to to have a shot at that. Wow. Okay. Arrow, how about you? Uh, so kind of going off of what my dad said, I did use the B3 bands a lot. And then also with what Raquel said, we did a lot of repetition, which I think that was a big help. And just going through those stations so you're ready and like you're, you just know how they feel. So they're not just new to you and you feel uh, unknown in the situation. I think that was a big part of it. 
Yeah. I know Dr. Mike, who's a you know founder of that B3 company, talks about shaving enough time off of his son's 40 to really get the college scouts looking at him after using those B3 bands. So uh, there are a lot of people, a lot of athletes using them for the performance. So uh, that's a great tip. And I got a comment for the listeners. You know, Ricardo gets the privilege of sitting there with three of his kids, you know, that are just like these DECA awesome, you know, champions, high placers. And uh, they're like a family of Incredibles, you know, you're looking over there. So uh, that's awesome, guys. I, I think it's just so special that you share that. Really cool. Really cool. So according to kind of like the flow of things, let's uh, let's hey, go over to – yeah, go ahead. While you're giving me the proud dad moment, I'm going to just go ahead and say that my oldest, who's at college, he's a college wrestler, he qualified for Worlds. He had a very legitimate shot at, at winning the mile, uh, or certainly making the podium at least in the mile. And uh, because he's in college wrestling, he wasn't able to do that. But he got second in Chicago. So I just got to have – since you're giving me the proud papa moment, I'm going to go ahead and take full advantage. Yeah, please do. And, you know, it's a whole family, right? I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's like, like the cartoon, The Incredibles, you know, <laughs> it's just awesome. So let's go to you, Brooklyn. Um, Brooklyn, uh, what, what would you say as far as training, you know, what's helped you along? I did a lot of EMOM style workouts. So my goal would be to try to complete the repetitions in that minute and see how much time I had left over. Uh, I was pretty much eating, sleeping and breathing DECA for, for a solid 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and in addition to that, because I was training for all three events, I had to do a lot of running to try to make me a contender with everybody else. Cause I, I snuck in there. I mean, I was, I think I was sixth, I was seated, but, and I think that's where I ended up finishing either fifth or sixth for the fit. But, um, the strong has always been my strong suit. So <laughs> you know, one I didn't have to pay as much attention to, but the running really kicked my butt for those 10 weeks. So a, a good balance of both. Yeah. Kind of keeping both of them in your program. Yeah, for a, a goal for you, I know that we have a, a woman pro elite with us yeah. today, you know, because yeah. in, in some cases for the listeners, we're talking about winning your age group. And then and then there's a different division that is for the, the pro elite. Um, do you have any particular goals that you're willing to share with, uh, you know, like how you're going to bring your time down and be in that uh, ranking? So I think one of my pitfalls for training for Worlds this past season was that I did give up the strength training a little bit too much and focusing on the running because I've never been a runner. Mm -hmm. So it, in order to kind of um, identify as a runner, I had to really embrace that. And at first it took a lot out of me. Mm -hmm. So I, I have to keep putting my eggs in all the baskets in terms of my training. And uh, hopefully I will be able to go elite this year, oh. at least for the deck of strong. I think I'm sitting at seventh overall female category right now. And, and I, I'm not really familiar with the qualifications. Like, do you have to lower your time a certain amount in order to get into that qualification or maybe just to feel good about showing <laughs> it out the ring, you know? So you have to be um, within the top 12 um, up until the cutoff time. And then if for some reason somebody in the top 12 decides not to compete or if they want to go age group instead, um, then the roll down email will go to 12 to 24. And like Ricardo was saying, if nobody takes the spot, it'll just keep going and going. Um, so right now I'm sitting pretty on top of my age group at like, I think three minutes ahead of everybody else. So okay. hopefully I can just, you know, work my way and stay in that, um, that elite range. Yeah. And, um, and how old are you right now? Uh, 22, almost 23. 
Yeah, I mean, like from what everybody's saying about their primes and stuff, yeah. you know, and their dirties. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, you know, prime is still ahead of you. Let's go, champ. All right, I love it. Oh, all right, Emily, over to you for training. So I'm I'm a runner as a background, similar to Meg, um, and I started Journey Fitness like four years ago. So I got into the full body thing, but then I started to get more serious about it. These competitions kept coming up, and I I performed in the DECA, and I ended up doing well. So I was like, hey, I could I could do this. So some of my training, it's a little bit different, kind of similar to Brooklyn. I focused on strength training, and I'd say I did my best deck of time last April when I really focused on that strength component, but then I'd get on the machines and just do like 500 meter repeats, you know, or I'd get on the assault bike and do so many hundred cap or so many calories and continue to repeat that. So that's how I strategize and mm-hmm. it is a little bit different, but that worked for me in particular. And in the background of all of this, I actually am a kind of like an ultra endurance cyclist. So I have two totally different sports that are eating up my time. So it's an, it's an interesting mixture of juggling the time and like prioritizing what's important as these competitions are coming up. So I have a lot going on at the same time. We were talking about that the other day. It's like, how do you choose? Mm -hmm. And I know Brooklyn, you had that problem too. It's like, but you know, your body best and it's really tuning into yourself and and feeling yourself out and knowing what works best for you because everyone has a slightly different strategy. So for the for the listeners, um, when you girls are talking about up in your strength training, like what does that mean to you? Like, I mean, is it a, is it a functional fitness hit routine where you're challenging yourself to use heavier weights or is there a different type of strength training that you're doing for this? I'd say more traditional strength. Like I will do squats, deadlifts, different things like that to really build my legs, um, push the sled, heavy sled. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I probably did my best was when I was doing really heavier weights. But then I would begin after like a heavy weight session, I'd do some power after that. So like intense rowing or biking um, to just kind of really tap it off at the very end of the workout, focusing on my mechanics and different parts of the strength workout, and then jumping into the more power moves. I'd say that's after all of those training sessions, that's probably when I did my best stack of time. And then she said, repeat. Now, (laughs) for the listeners... And for myself, I want you to know that once I've accomplished, you know, the 500 meters or the, you know, 25 calories, not usually thinking about repeating it. I'm usually feeling like I'm pretty darn good on it. So you're saying you would do a 500 meter row or a 500 meter skier or whatever, Mm -hmm. and then you repeat it, uh, you know, several times? Yes. Yes. I would say at least four to five. I know like some people have different strategies (laughs) with that, but you want to do a higher amount of volume than you're actually going to do in the competition, right? So you want to get your body adjusted to suffering for a longer period of time, trying to, I I would add it up to, I'd start kind of low, like 10 minutes and then 20 minutes, you know, over time, you begin to like build up your workout times and the intensity of your workouts too. Okay. Yeah, there it is. That challenges my mindset already. Um, All right. So Megan, I know that you're the uh, women's pro elite world champion for the DECA mile. But I'd like to talk to you first, just for the, to put perspective on things. Um, what's your fastest time doing a strong? Because the DECA is a 10 exercise event. So just last week, um, 12.58. 58. 12 minutes, 58 yeah. seconds. Okay. That's, uh, that's amazing. Um, you know, uh, to put things in perspective, I've always kind of, uh, consider like the deck almost similar to like doing like a 5k you know what's your good 5k time you know because you see like a lot of people that might run a 5k in 30 minutes do this and you know i felt amazing breaking 20 minutes with these 10 exercises i'm like yeah you know i broke it under 20 minutes you know but 
12 minutes, 58 seconds. Okay. Yeah, so first time. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations on yeah. that. PBR. Um, Thanks. So uh, for you, uh, being a women's pro elite that does, uh, you know, a time of 12 minutes and 58 mm-hmm. seconds, just over a minute per station. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about high rocks. I don't know where you want yeah. to go with the training, but uh, what's important for you as far as training goes? Well, so running is my background. Um, you know, I ran collegiately and I've had a lot of success in my 20s running, um, you know, anywhere 5K to half marathon. Um, so for me, I'm putting 50 to 60 miles in of running a week. Huh. Not something I would necessarily recommend to everybody, but that's just what my body's, I'm just very used to that. So I do also a lot of um, machine work because it's low impact. Um, and I'm doing so much volume all the time that that, that stuff helps a keep me injury, you know, good for injury prevention, but also just helps keep building that aerobic capacity because you can't do like interval workouts every day. Um, and I am really, really like VO2 stuff, zone two running. I do two easy runs a week. I do a long run every single week. The bigger for me, the bigger my aerobic capacity is, the better that I'm I'm gonna do in these events. Even the strong, it's all cardio. Even every station movement, while it, there are strength components, you're not resting. You don't get any breaks. It's your heart rate's jacked the whole time. So having that huge base is probably why I did really well in the strong last week. Um, when it comes because I do so much volume running wise, I do a lot of um, more powerlifting type strength training. So I lift four to five days a week, um, benching, deadlifting, squatting. I do two days of heavy. So I do some type of um, max effort lift um, on upper and lower days, supplementing with a lot of um, accessory work. And then I do two more dynamic lifts where I'm focusing on speed and power. So I'll do 10 sets of two deadlifts as fast as I can at a certain weight um, with with little rest. So that's kind of how I treat my strength just because the one thing I think a lot of people think even with strength training and this stuff is that you have to do a lot of volume. But if you're doing a lot of volume running or a lot of volume machine work and you add a lot of volume lifting, that's kind of a recipe for injury as far for me and what I've learned about myself. So even though I do an hour, hour and a half of a lifting session, my reps and sets are pretty low, but I'm pushing my weight a lot more. And that's, that's just what's worked for me. But I do a ton of EMOM, E2 mom work. I do a lot of big AMRAPs. So I'll do 60 to 70 minute AMRAP work where I'm doing, um, you know, a various amount of stations running in between doing a lot of compromised running, especially if you're doing a deck of fit or a deck of mile, I think is super important. Um, what do you mean by compromise? So it's where you'll do a station movement and then you'll do a run for a certain distance and you just keep repeating that. And the station movement can change. The run distance can change, but typically I'll keep it like I'll do, you know, 60 minutes of uh, 800 meter run, sled push, 800 meter run, lunges, 800 meter run, thousand uh, meter ski or, or whatever. And I'll just do that as many times as I can in a, in a 60 minute window or, or whatever the time cap is. Um, because when you're doing a deca, you're running a fit or a mile, you're running in between every station. Mm-hmm. So you're changing from anaerobic to aerobic really quick. So learning how to train yourself to be able to do that effectively and kind of be able to run fast, but also lower your heart rate so that you have 
uh, you're, you're more ready for that next station where your heart rate's going to get kind of jacked again is really important. And that's, that's what's really worked for me. And also I'm just a little bit crazy. So <laughs> three, two, three hours a day is like a, that's kind of the standard at this point, but my body doesn't know how to run yeah. fast and lower its heart rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's the, it's like doing those things consistently that really, that really helps. Well, yeah. Cause so. you're putting in, like you said, 40, 50 miles a week. I was curious what, yeah. what is a, a day that's a long run for somebody that's running almost two marathons a week. Uh, like how long? Yeah, I usually do like 12 to 13 miles. Okay. So like an hour and a half. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so of course, you know, and that that's about putting the time in, right? When you put the time in, you can really start to maybe run fast and lower your heart rate because, you know, you're just kind of used to your condition for that sort right. of condition. You see. So now I have my co-host uh, when it comes to the training. Uh, before we move on to the next topic, which is strategies at the set, uh, at the different stations, um, you know, for many of the uh, people that are sitting here today, you guys have any uh, training training questions, like maybe what EMOM two is or anything like that. Uh, um, uh, anybody? What that would have is like more explanation on EMOM. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I think you said Brooklyn had said you do like a minute of each one and see how far you can get. You immediately go to the next one like you would the DECA. Mm -hmm. that, yeah, that's what I love about EMOMs is you have to work for your rest. So it's every minute on the minute or like Meg said, every two minutes on the two minutes. Uh, how much can you accomplish in that amount of time? So with the DECA, when you get to a level like Megan is right now, you're going to be spending maybe a little more than a minute at each at each zone. So you should be able to, um, with a lot of the zones, accomplish everything, all your lunges, Rower is going to take you a little bit longer than that. So that's where the two minutes would come in. Um, the machines typically, like the skier, the tank, the bike, maybe, they're, they're going to take you longer than a minute. But everything else, you should definitely be able to get done in a minute if you're going for that elite type of time. And so you say work for your rest, which means if I accomplish my prescribed number of reps or whatever, then I get to wait. The extra 10 seconds yeah. I got left before yeah. I start the next thing. Okay. But if you slack, then you get less reps. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, I wouldn't be slacking if I got it done in a minute. I'll tell you that. I'm still trying to figure out how to get the tank done in two minutes. <laughs> this is me being vulnerable with my audience today, by the way. <laughs> uh, any other questions, Scott? You're doing an EMOM style and you're training for a deck a mile, which I haven't done. Mm -hmm. Would you suggest doing a station and then running in between the next one? I think that works great. Like I said, the compromised running is super important because that's exactly what that race is. You're, the running is a huge component of it. And I think even if you're not a traditional runner, building that ability up is going to be important. So being able to do it efficiently and also be able to efficiently do your station work, that's, that's the best way to practice it, in my opinion. Um, and just, you know, and I started with like a 40 minute and then the next week it was 45 and then the next week it was 50 and then it built up, you know, over time. So it wasn't like day one, I was doing a 70 minute, like compromised running workout, but, um, so you can start like slow and, and work your way up. But yeah, if you're doing a mile or a fit, that running is half of the race, you know? So it is important. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to shout out Scott now um, because this is something that might even impress a women's pro elite world champion. So Scott not only comes here at two fifteen or four fifteen 
but he gets up probably, I don't know, 2.30 in the morning because he's going for runs before he shows up here uh, to stretch out for the 4.15 a.m. session, right? You know, so um, would you recommend then uh, that maybe Scott takes his runs over here, comes in and does the station, he runs out the door, right? I mean, he's got to yeah. change his runs up a little bit, you know? Uh, I mean, so right now he goes into stadium steps and he's yeah. you know, doing uh, – the run work and then comes here for the workout but uh that's good anybody else on the the training well, i think we did a training here where you did the deck training for two minutes and then if you finished it you're just running in place which i kind of see that training going on yeah yeah so that's now we have a a new goal to earn our rest and uh, maybe do it in one minute okay um well let's go back to columbia city guys any tips and it can be from any station you know what you've learned We'll start with uh, we'll start with Arrow. Um, and so, what what station uh, would you want to give us a tip on? Maybe just a strategic way to do it to, for the best efficiency and best time. Um, one station that has a lot of technique is probably the rower. Um, is that right? That's what you're asking. Some technique for the stations. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people don't know how to do them the most effectively, and and you know certainly that helps with your time. Yeah, so the row is a 500-meter row. So um, a lot of the technique that I use is leaning back on the back part of the row and trying to get that uh, the row all the way to your chest and then trying to lean all the way forward so you can max out every rep so you don't have to move as hard and using a lot more power than speed. Okay, very cool. All right, Ricardo, over to you. So you're saying technique, not strategy, right? Well, I guess... Uh, to me, I'm kind of saying technique as a strategy, to be honest. Like, you know, for instance, uh, I've seen some people do the dead balls differently than others. And I know that there's a, a technique there and a strategy in uh, lowering their time for it, you know? Yeah. Well, so strategy of the race, I, you know, uh, Ryan Kent, the double world record holder, he, he'll tell you that in his view, the whole race is about station number seven. Like you have to plan your entire strategy about what happens on that bike. I'm seeing a smile over there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she said that yesterday to me. Yeah, Megan, another 100%. elite champ said the same thing. Build your race around. That bike. <laughs> and we have it called the Faces of the Assault Bike, right? All the pictures you see of people Great over there. Yeah. <laughs> I purposely yeah. did. <laughs> so, yeah, Belize uh, in particular has uh, that, you know, that story but yeah in terms of strategy you see people that will get on that row or station number two and burn it out you know minute 30 minute 35 and they're just they're just killing that rower you know the pace i'm saying mm -hmm. and then they get to the box jumps and they're actually doing box jumps or just you know jack rabbiting those box jumps with with no pacing and then when they get to station number seven it's like they ran an actual bicycle into a wall you know, <laughs> you know, you just spent two and a half minutes on that bike, you know, yeah. uh, because there's nothing left. And so yeah. a big part of strategy is pacing it so that when you get to the bike, which can be a huge time sucker, you've still got plenty of, stra uh, of cardio left to keep that time down around a minute, you know, that balance, right? Yeah. So thank you for that, Ricardo. That was exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Good advice. 
technique, like you mentioned on the ball, that is probably the ball and maybe the box jump are the two where you see it the most egregious technique-wise. Um, the ball in particular, people will throw it over their shoulder and spin around, and you're wasting time spinning around looking for it. Instead, as you lift that ball, you're taking a slight step forward, and you're, you know, you're from the ground to about your waist. It's that, it's that sharp power move, and then you're just kind of flipping it, and it sails over your shoulder as you take that slight step forward. Let it fall as you breathe, and then you're breathing. As you come back down, you take a step back, and the ball's right there, and then do it again. And that gives you the three parts rest to one part exertion that you need if you're going to be able to keep that, that face through the, through the I like the sounds of the ball sailing over my shoulder. That sounds good. It's a 60-pound ball for men. I, I'm ready for it. I, I'm good. I, I like the visual that I'm getting in my mind. I'm already getting better at this. This is good. Um, all right, Rocky. Um, or Raquel? Something that really helped me was on the first station for the lunges was holding the ram on one shoulder and using the, my other hand on the knee to push up. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's allowed. The other the hand on the knee. Yeah, okay. That's great. Okay. That's good. That's good for me to know. Thank you. Uh, Felice. Um, kind of going off what my dad said, it all does come down to the bike and in the strong. That's pretty much what lost me the race was I was ahead and leading by a little bit and then that bike, so it's definitely pacing. And then also just when you get onto the bike, even if you have paced up to that point, just look at your RPMs to make sure that you know, because it can change. Because I got on that bike and the training station and it was in kilometers per uh, mile or something. And I was used to looking at it in miles per hour. So that kind of out because the day up, I didn't know, I didn't know what my pace was supposed to be anymore. But then Coach Brooklyn actually helped me. She told me what RPM to look for. So make sure in your training, you're looking for the RPM because that, that metric doesn't change on each bike. You must have been on a European bike. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I'm going to go in reverse because you know, what we were talking about yesterday is a great segue. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I feel like that this, again, talks about, you know, running fast, yet lowering your heart rate. You know, like yep. you put in so many hours, yep. um, your strategies, you know, I think you can really feed off of what they were just saying. Can you add to that? Yeah. So I know for me, the assault bike is my worst station. So I my approach is to hammer everything else. Mm -hmm. um, that way I have a bit of wiggle room on the assault bike. And, and that's also just comes down to like who you are as a person and how you can perform. So I know that I'm going to suck up a little more time on the assault bike, but I can like, I can hang and I, I am confident in that. So, um, I kill myself at the beginning, but, um, I think another big thing, and we talked about this yesterday is knowing what damper setting on the rower and the skier, you get the most power and that's most efficient for you. I used to, before I got into this, I used to do everything at 10. Um, and then actually like my first deck a mile, some guy was like, why are you doing it at 10? And I was like, I don't know. This is what I do. Like nobody, I had, you know, hadn't like had anyone tell me otherwise at that point. Um, so then now I do everything at eight and that's where I, get the most power and I was able to hold like a 145 average on the row um, last Saturday. 
So same thing with the skier and the assault bike. It's like knowing your setting is going to make a huge difference. Knowing the height for the bike is going to make a huge difference. How, how, where, you know, how much power you can get out of your legs, how far back you want to sit to get the most efficiency with using your arms. Those things are really helpful. Um, and then obviously um, we talked about like doing big, bigger style workouts, really big building your aerobic capacity and then getting really, really specific the few weeks leading up to the event. So that's kind of what I do is then I really, you know, I'm doing a lot of different movements that um, are helpful and that are very comparable, but I don't always just sit and do ram lunges. You know, I do a lot of walking lunges. I do split squats. I do Bulgarian split squats. I do all those lunge variations. And then the few weeks leading up, that's when I really start pressing that reverse lunge movement Mm -hmm. or, or whatever. Um, and it just also helps keep variety in your training. Cause as, as you know, if you do this all year long, which I'm already finding out, like I'm tired of doing the same stuff all the time, you know, like it's, it's good to keep yourself, give yourself different goals and keep some variety in your training, but, um, getting really nitty gritty specific on movements, especially like that five, six weeks, four weeks leading up to a competition can, can be really helpful. So I want to touch on something you just said that fed off of what Felicia said. She was watching her while Brooklyn helped her watch her miles per hour. Um, You know, but you were talking about uh, this damper setting, which the damper setting is interesting because some people think they're going to get more all the way down at one. You were originally training at 10. You learned to be at eight Mm because that's where you got your best result. Um, But you're watching during the race because you start to know um, how many revolutions per minute or whatever yeah. that you should be at. Is that what you're talking about when you say the one yeah. five? Yeah. Yeah. I, I use that um, often. I'll use the time per 500 meter pace, especially because you're doing a 500 meter in DECA. So that's also a really helpful tool because it's going to tell you exactly what your pace is for uh, the whole length of time. And then obviously it has, um, you know, your average pace over, time at the end. So you can kind of see like where you actually ended up. But like, I know for me, what I want to be in, like the range I want to be in, um, and row form in DECA because it's the second station can also be really, really important. Um, so like fully extending your legs, um, having a quick recoil to where you're, you know, the rower, you're, you're coming up to the front really quick, but rowing is really a leg movement. So being able to really get power out of your legs, fully extending your legs. And, and then your, I mean, your arms really shouldn't be doing that much work. So um, you can really use that at the beginning because you're kind of fresher, mm-hmm. I think, or at least that's what I do. Um, but knowing where you're getting the most power with the least amount of exertion is probably the most important for the machines, I mm-hmm. think. And, you know, yesterday we talked about this. And so I just want you to say it because, again, it feeds off of like what Felice was saying. But uh, you talk about knowing your threshold, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, Felice got to that assault bike and it sounds like it was a real challenging experience. Um, and being so in tune with your body, you're yeah. trying to keep yourself how would you describe it? You know, I'll just let you say Yeah. That. So when we talked yesterday, it's like the the red line is here and I'm like right underneath it the whole time. And knowing that comes with a lot, just experience in training, experience in, in racing. Um, and I, you know, even though I'm new to deck, I've been racing for years. So I know I really am in tune with myself. And I think that just comes with time and experience and just time putting in these style workouts. I use my heart rate 
you know, that's a huge important tool. I know where I should be. Um, and I know how long I can be at a high heart rate for. Um, so I use that a lot, but, um, yeah, just knowing, knowing yourself and how far you can tip over that line is important. So like, um, the assault bike comment where I, and I watched it too. And then I was like, Oh God, I hope that doesn't happen to me, you know, but, uh, you see a lot of people, um, just die on that assault bike yeah. and, and the race completely shifts at that point. And I watched that happen in the fit and in the strong right before my race. So, um, knowing what to look out for is important on, on the stations too, you know, um, and use other people, <laughs> you know, watch what other people do and say, okay, I don't want to do that. So this is what, this is what I need to adjust or, or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be, but yeah. Yeah. And you get your seat far back. I get my yeah. seat. I like my seat far back. Um, and cause I feel like I get more with my arms that way. Mm -hmm. Um, more of a reach, more yeah. of a, a heel drive, maybe. Yeah, and in. then just like knowing, I'm sure Emily can speak to this as a biker more, but like knowing what your seat height is also super important. And that was not something that I like. I had been doing it probably wrong for a little while, and then had uh, actually this guy over here was like, "Hey, I think your seat. You need to change your seat height because too low. You're not getting that like full extension of your legs, so you're not getting as much um, power out of it." And uh, that's obviously really important on the on the death bike. So nice, yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue to you, the ultra marathon or cyclist. Uh, yeah. And everybody's talking about station number seven, so I hope you'll speak to the bike a little yes. bit. Yes. Yeah. Well, first, I just want to take a step back and like an aerial view. The way you approach it, too, you have to think about your breathing throughout, right? So what I sometimes do is when I get nervous, I start to breathe in these muscles. But sometimes I really have to expand my diaphragm and think about my breathing as I'm going through because as soon as I get nervous. I just start to decline in the race mm -hmm. and there's ways to manage it. I'm good at the stations that have the rep counts, right? But when you get to the, where I bonked the last couple of times, it is a skier and I'm trying to figure out ways. And I'm probably going to talk to you about this. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I, like I used to be good at it. I don't know what happened. I've adjusted the damper settings, but that's my place where if I go too far above that line that Mike was talking about, then that's where it ends for me. Actually, I can manage the rest of the race. But in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, like what just happened? You know, mm -hmm. but you're trying to recover, you're trying to get through and go through it. So I would say breathing is really big. And, you know, especially if you're getting nervous and starting to enter that pain cave, which we all, it's how you manage. And also reciting a mantra as I go through, like, mm -hmm. I can do this. Like, I used to do that in running races as well, because if you're not your biggest advocate, you know, then, then who is? There's people cheering you on, but like, you have to believe in yourself. And that's one of the biggest tools I think in any sport I've ever done is reciting a mantra when stuff gets really hard. It's good. You know, I watched you one time and I think it was at a corny deck of strong and uh, you were disappointed and you, you repeated the event. Um, and I believe you got a better time. And, oh, yeah. I, and I'm not sure if that had to do with the, your breathing. Like, I don't know if you, you know, but now that you're sharing this, it makes me want, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, she's upset about her time and she's going to do it all over again. Like, like I mean, Cindy and I were just glad that we were done, you know, like, we're like, okay, what's next? You know, it's like, you know. It's like a two and a half minute improvement. Like, that's how much my yeah. mental game can decline within a race. And I know that about myself. So that's what I have to train more than anything else, because physically I can do it. It's the mental game that I've been continuing to do because I'm very used to long endurance races, which is much different in how you manage your energy. Oh, when you're doing like a 15 minute or less all out effort, it's a very different feeling 
And it's like, it's being able to grind it out and being okay and accepting the pain for what it is rather than resisting it, right? Like you have to accept it. Um, one thing that when I was doing the farmer's carry at this past um, DECA in horse heads, like I start to do the C-back, right? So again, this comes back to breathing. You want to like have a good posture when you're doing things. Even on the bike, you start to you know, yeah. kind of fold, come, you know, sit up straight, make sure you get the diaphragm as much as you possibly can to allow for that breathing because it is a, an aerobic event. So you really have to think about and focus on your breathing. Again, coming back to over and over again, but that's that's really. one thing that I've been working on. Really good. That's a good preface for our mindset tips that we'll be doing next. That's good. Um, so Brooklyn, how about you, you know, strategic uh, technique, uh, both, you know, whatever way you want to go about it, you know? Um, I'm going to follow what Emily said. Breathing is huge. Uh -huh. Like I had, I had somebody tell me that, you know, you'd be so much better if you just controlled your breathing. I'm like, you know what? You're right. And it's really, it's really been a game changer for me to stop looking at, it's funny, watching my heart rate will make my heart rate go up. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you guys realized in horse sense, we have more TVs than Buffalo Wild Wings. You will know exactly what zone you are in. So for me, this last deck is strong. I'm pretty sure I did 75% of the event with my eyes closed. Okay. Now, since we talked so much about breathing today, how do you keep your breathing in check? Are you trying to breathe to account? Are are you trying to deep breathe? Or, or what are you trying to do with your breath to make sure that it's working effectively for you? I think I'm just trying to control it. Right. Because there are so many things in the event that are out of your control, right? I think that's the one thing that I can dial back into is controlling my inhale and my exhale. Whether You know, every person is going to have a different, you know, pace that they breathe at, you know, mm -hmm. inhales to exhales, how many seconds. It's different for everybody, and it's going to be different throughout the event, too. But if you can, you know, take the reins on that and just kind of dial it back in, then then you'll feel a lot better about it. Because, sure. you know, you ever you ever taken off for a run, and you're like, wow, I'm going way too fast, and you're hyperventilating, and you can't control it, and you have to stop. That's the last thing you want to do during a DECA. Sure. And that's why I, I coach my members to – Think about the longevity of the event. Like, don't think about when am I going to get that first rest time. Think about what do I have to do the entire event to not have rest time, even if that means cutting your pace down from uh, a two minute to a two thirty. Like, what is it going to take so that you don't have to spend five minutes on the assault bike? Because right. overall, that's going to add up in a potentially fifteen to twenty minute event. Like that, that stuff matters. Yeah, but. In no, terms of, that's a good tip right there. I mean, just to yeah. monitor your breath so that you're not turning into that hyperventilating zone of those short, choppy breaths that you know are, are going to just lead to attacking out and needing to uh, spend way too much time at the station yeah. or basically stop, right? right. You know, yeah. Um, one technique, though, that I want to share because I see a lot of people do it and watching myself back at your guys' first deck of strong event, watching myself go over the box, I'm like, girl, what are you doing? <laughs> Uh, go side to side. If you yeah. can, you know, if you can go, go side to side opposed to facing the box and walking over it. Cause you're just, you're wasting time by standing up on the box. No, stay low, swing the leg up and over the two feet have to hit and come off the box, but they don't have to be there at the same time. And I think a lot of people lose time on the box, especially by, you know, crawling over it when they don't need to. So. Mm, that's really good. So going side to side, staying low, um, you know, something I will say about this, these hips don't lie. Um, <laughs> just, uh, 
That also may be a tip to work on your hip mobility. Like I'll say that, you know, you definitely need to, you know, get loose, uh, you know, get some flexibility, some mobility sure. in those hips. Because yeah. I've been trying that technique, but I feel like what I'm saying, <laughs> like, they gotta swing. Like in versus swinging open. So internal rotation versus external rotation. Try that. Oh, that okay. Oh. I, got, I got that. So you're saying instead of your inside leg going up, that you're crossing? So you use the same no? leg, oh, yeah. but instead of swinging it out this way, uh-huh. swing it in. Oh, it's okay. almost like a like a rotation that you're going to get into. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Try after this job. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> after these episodes, after these messages. <laughs> all right. So, Hey, uh, real quick mindset tip. This is the overcomers podcast. You know, uh, Emily was already starting to kind of preface that a little bit with like the way that she uses a mantra, but uh, arrow, what do you got for the overcomers podcast on a mindset tip for the DECA? Um, one thing I like to think during a race is to not get too carried away on what's next and just more focus on right now because, like, the present is what's all it's about. You can't control, like, what's already happened and what's about to happen. So I like to, to control, like, what I'm doing right now. And I like to think, like, um, now if, say, the next station is the bike and you're really bad at the bike, but not worry about that and just think this is my race. Like, just do what you can do on this station and then worry about that once you get there. Because then if you keep um, your mindset with just struggle, if you're always thinking about something that negatively impacts your uh, performance, that's one thing I like to think. I wish I was as smart as you at your age. I'll tell you that. that that's a really good tip on being present. That's great. Ricardo, mindset tip? Uh I uh, actually learned this from my daughter. She uh, taught me this from a book she read about running. I smile. Just got to make sure you're smiling. You know, <laughs> it's funny if, you know, people tease me because, you know, at the at the events and worlds or fits or whatever, when they're taking pictures, all my pictures, I'm smiling. I'm running and smiling and people tease me about it. And I'm just like, look, I trained for months for this. If it's not fun, what am I doing? You know, so I just, I just, anytime that I uh, realize I'm not smiling, I I make myself smile, have fun. That's good. That's good. Raquel? Um, While I'm running, I really try to focus on what I'm doing and how I'm running instead of what the other racers are doing. Try to focus on my race. Focus on you, run your own race. I love it. How about you, Felice? Uh, kind of from the same book I read that my dad was referencing. Uh, they were talking about specifically ultra running. You want to read? Sarah? Well, what's that? I'm gonna, <laughs> I just had to mute that. All right, yeah, back to you. <laughs> uh, they were talking about kind of embracing the... So in in the book, they were talking about, I'm sorry, I, at Embracing, you said, what was that? Embracing, they call it the beast, just because when you're running for such a long distance like that, because they're talking about ultra running, they're, uh, they're just running for these miles and miles. And then you kind of hit this point where it's like, you either need to keep going or you're going to stop. And so it's kind of not, uh, not resisting that and the pain and all of that and just embracing it. So it's, embracing that and just becoming competitive in the moment but also just when you're doing these events I find myself getting like super competitive in the beginning because you have so much energy and adrenaline going and just kind of want to 
like go out beat everybody like in the mile uh, or in the strong actually that's what I did I just I was so pumped up from the fit and I just kind of wanted to go and win it all but then mm. I hit station number seven and I just <laughs> I so then the going dreaded step. Uh, it was I had to I had to take a step back and uh, so the girl who was seated ahead of me she went she went out super hot and so as a competitor I really wanted to just go out with her and just kind of smoke her and just because running is my thing but I had to just relax and uh, do my own race and run and I ended up catching her on one of the stations and then I just slowly passed her and gapped her and so it's embracing that pain but also just not trying to get ahead of yourself in the beginning. Really good, really good, good stuff. Right, should we stick to this order right here? Sure. Okay. Um, touching on that, I think I think you definitely have to run your own race, and I think you have to know yourself as an athlete um, heavily, but also in the race, like, yes, you do need to focus on yourself, but if you are trying to win, you do kind of have to know where everyone else is as well, so... I am definitely running my race, but at the same time, I am keeping an eye on the people around me um, because ultimately I know when I'm up against some of the best women in this, um, there might be a moment where I have to make a move. Um, and if I don't know where everyone else is and I'm not aware of where everyone else or how they look or how they feel, then I might not be able to do that. Um, and knowing your style, I go out hot. I'm confident in the front. I've raced many times where I've had to crawl my way back from the back of the pack up. And I hate that more than anything. I would rather suffer, go out hard and suffer and hang out as long as I can than have to work probably arguably a little bit harder to come back. It's just happened to me last week in Europe um, in high rocks. And it was the like least pleasant race that I've ever run. So um, the big, but Going off of that, not dwelling if something doesn't go perfect. If you have a station that doesn't go the way and you're like, holy, sh like I remember at DECA um, Worlds, my road pace was felt, looked based on the monitor a lot slower than what I had practiced. Um, but it's like there's, there's, you know, seven other stations after that or eight other stations after that. You can't dwell on something that went wrong. You have to just shift your focus and your mindset onto what's coming or what you're doing. So kind of piggybacking off of some of that. Um, last week in High Rocks, I did an extra lap going into station four. So I did a mile instead of a 1200 and I went from second to seventh place. And then I came back and fought to third because I didn't let it impact the rest of my race. I said, well, this is what happened. I owned it. I accepted it and I moved on. And being able to do that is super key. And that's having that really strong mindset um, is really key in these events because not everything's going to go your way. Maybe the judge makes you do another rep because they didn't, they miscounted or, or whatever. You have to be able to let those things go because you're going to fighting it is just going to waste more time. So you have to just be able to say, okay, well, that sucked, but over, it's over now. Yeah. And I, now I control the rest of the, the race. So what's left for me to control? Let's let go of what we can, right. you know, right. That, that's yeah. really good. And just accepting it's going to be uncomfortable. We talked about this yesterday. I think um, this has been probably one of the hugest keys for me and in my coaching with other athletes over the years, ex 
it's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and it's accepting that this is going to hurt and this is going to be painful. I always view it and I teach my athletes, all right, this race is what, 20 minutes of your day. So you have the other 23 hours of your day to feel great and comfortable. It's 20 minutes of your day to, to be feeling this way. And you're going to feel five minutes after the race, you're probably going to feel great again. You know? So it's, it's just accepting that it's not, it's, it's not going to feel good. It doesn't feel good. But even for the elite people, it doesn't feel good, you know, so just knowing that that's what it's going to be and just accepting that is, uh, is big, I think. Yeah. I mean, when you condition yourself for events like that, you know, you really don't have to worry whether or not you got a body that can handle it. You just got to have a mind that can handle it. Right. Um, what would you add to what you were already saying earlier? Anything different? Yeah. And I I think that's really what takes you from a great athlete to an elite athlete. What you're saying is it's all about that mindset and this goes across all sports, you know, Mm -hmm. and just one thing. And again, I'm trying to get there. You know, I've been fighting that a lot over the years, but it's one thing I continue to work at. I don't give up. Um, Also knowing like what I do before going into a race is I visualize. And that's another thing of some of the top athletes is I will like close my eyes the night before and I will visualize myself going through the stations, how I'm going to strategize, how I'm going to approach the station. And that really helps me because it does form the connections in your brain and how you're going to actually handle it the day of the event. So it's a lot of that mental game stuff. And it's during the event, like I'm, I'm working on that too, of what if something does happen moving on. On the I mean, get a little background. There we go. Okay. And 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 instead focusing on what went well too. It's like, wow, I felt really strong at this particular station. So like, it's it's all about adjusting that mindset and focusing on the positives rather than the negatives. Um, but again, you know, the breathing, the mindset, and then another thing that I haven't spoken of is that visualization piece. And I do that in every sport that I've ever done, and that helps a lot. Great tip. Great tip. Brooklyn. So for me, I've never been a competitor. Uh, Growing up, I was not an athlete traditionally. I was a dancer. We didn't compete. We were just kind of like a performance studio. I tried track and field one time and I hated it because racing was gross to me. I just didn't like the feel that competition gave me. So when I figured out that I was kind of good at this deck of thing, I was like, this is great, but I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to compete. So one thing that um, I've had to kind of embrace is I'm the athlete that I am when I walk up to the start line, and that's not going to change. So for for me, what I mean, some of my members know, but what a lot of people don't know walking into it was I had a really bad back injury leading up to Deca Worlds. Like four days out, I couldn't touch my toes. I didn't know what I was going to do. So by the grace of God, I was able to compete the entire weekend and I ended up winning one of them, but... I just didn't know. And there was a lot of fear riding behind that. But I I walked up to that start line and the girl that I actually ended up beating was six foot two. Um, And if you know anything about DECA and machines, you know, your height can be a huge advantage to you. I mean, it can also be a disadvantage for some of the things like where you have to get down lower. But in terms of, you know, skier, the rower, the bike, if you've got legs, use them. And I was like, wow, I didn't care. I didn't care at all. And everyone watching me on my, my live stream, you know, all my members at home, they're like, you didn't look like you cared at all where anyone else was. At one point I was in the back and then I came up to win. She was a whole tank lap ahead of me going into the burpees. And I still came back and beat her by 10 seconds. What's your secret? I said, I don't care. 
my race is my race, no matter what her race looks like. It's, it's going to be mine. Like all my training, that's what prepared me for this. And nothing, no nerves are going to change that. So, you know, keeping an eye on the field is good, but at the same time, if it's going to get in your head and, you know, ruin your race, don't watch. I think it kind of goes back to what we're already saying about like, if I can't control that I already did a lap, Mm -hmm. you know, or I can't control that this person may be better than me right now. I won't let it get in my head. Right. You know, like, uh, you are as an athlete. For me, I know if I, if I watch other people too hard and, you know, worry about where their advantages are going to overcome my disadvantages and what's the point. And like Ricardo said, if you're not having fun, then then why are you doing this? That's good. That's cool how far you've come, though, from not ever being a competitive athlete. That's great. So, you guys, any any questions or any final? How about you, Scott? Question about the damper settings. Does DECA require a certain damper setting? They have it auto set, right? Or no? Is that just a high rock thing? I can't. So yeah, I think it's a high rock thing because yeah, I mean you would know better than I. But is it eight for women's elite and then like something else for deca for for high rock? They put everything on seven for the women. So so I don't bother with it at that point because I train at eight. So and I know that maybe a little less resistance at station five on the rower might be fine. And uh, uh, again, uh, uh, again. Um, uh, just a little bit of an echo. Yeah. Um, you can, you, you don't want to be wasting a lot of time on it, but, um, but yeah, knowing where you're, you're at and what's good, especially I think on steer more than anything, cause that downward motion can be pretty draining and it's like halfway through. Um, so just kind of knowing where that should be. And you can, I think, in the gym events, like you can preset it for yourself. Yeah. yeah. So that's the nice thing about the gym events. Yeah. So in a competition like at Worlds, you can still preset it. Like you, or you, you can set you it when you get there. Right. You so can. yes, and correct. They do for your assault bike have you preset your height and where you want your seat for the assault bike, and you are given a specific assault bike. At, at least in the mile. I can't speak necessarily to the others because I haven't done the that, Worlds. That's yet. only for the elites. Yeah, only okay. Sorry. My bad. So you're gonna have to spend time setting your seat where you want it. Like yeah. my, right. if I'm yeah. gonna compete against my age level. Yeah. So my advice would be um, knowing what your seat height is going to be, and then they kind of have a variety out there, um, or they'll probably tailor them. I mean, if they're going from the kids division to the adult division, they're probably gonna raise up those seats because not everyone's gonna need them on level two anymore. It's gonna be more level four, level five. But if you can have an idea of what bike seat you need then the way they had it set up was more for the crowd to watch. So there were two rows of everything. Go to a bike that looks like you're going to want to ride on it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go to a bike that's too short or it's going to be, you know, the most miserable three minutes of your life. And I unmuted Columbia City because uh, even though I drove a trailer full of DECA equipment uh, to them to introduce it, uh, the the student has become the teacher. Uh, they are just, they're probably going to have a 200 person event here in the next couple of weeks. I mean, they're just blowing it out of the water there. Um, damper setting, any comment on the damper setting, Ricardo? Most of the elites will agree to max be somewhere between that high six, you know, top of six to bottom of eight. Most of your elites, and uh, I've refed a lot at the at the fit at Chicago, and we let we ref a lot at the worlds, and 
uh, I pay attention to those, see what I can learn. And that's, that's what you see. The majority of the leads are right there where you're talking. So for that but one. No, no, requirement. no requirement. Oh, no, there's no requirement. Uh, the weights are required. Damper settings are up to you. And check them. When you're doing your practice events, practice going up and that being the first thing you do to damper, you know, as you're getting into the row or whatever. Another tip uh, is uh, like what we do the week before the event when it's too late to make any cardio, you know, you're not going to have physiological changes if you work out on Tuesday that are going to help you race on Friday, right? So, and what we do is we spend that Tuesday session just doing like 15 second go, we'll do 30 second goes and then 15 second goes because what I'm wanting them to concentrate in is those transitions. You know, if you, too many people make the mistake of, oh, I'm walking up to the bike, the bike's going to hurt, <sighs> you know, or they'll take a drink of water. Well, if you do just three extra seconds per transition, that's a half a minute off your time, you know. And, uh, you know, you don't see any elites or, or anybody that's that's really trying for a good time. They don't stop and get water. I mean, it's right. at, at, at most it's a 30 minute event. You can go 30 minutes without the need for water, you know, so concentrate on those transitions. Try to get them down to five seconds or less per per station. Real good. Real and we good. have. And Another question, right? Uh, it's not related. Said something about wrestling. Where does your son wrestle in college? Ah, oh, where does your son wrestle in college? Was the uh, question. So out of, uh, Aurora University. Aurora is a northwest suburb of Chicago, and then Felice and Arrow both wrestle at Columbus City High School. So we got we got some wrestlers in the family. Got a family of wrestlers right there. Like I said, the Incredibles over there. Well, that's awesome. Anything else? Does the retention or the setting on the damper correlate to the distance on your pole? Yes. Good question. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You want to so that's where that, that yeah, that's where you want to find that happy meet, the happy balance of resistance with how far the meters are going. So you want to find that kind of like in between where you're not exerting too much energy, even though you're, you might get more meters, but you don't, in this type of event, you are trying to smartly conserve but push yourself at the same time. And I know that sounds really counterintuitive, but so yeah, finding that happy balance is important. Because if you like for me, if I'm too low, then I'm pulling so many more times. So I like, I, but it's also your strengths. I know guys that are jacked or looking that pull way lower, their, their damper settings lower than what I do. Um, but it's it's just kind of how it feels to you, obviously. So, yeah. So rule of thumb, the lower the damper setting, the faster you're going to have to go. But the higher right. the damper setting, the slower you're going to be able to go, but the harder it's going to be to pull. It's just going to freewheel more. So you get to lower that pace. You're not going so quickly as you would with a lower damper setting. Yeah. Power Okay. Very good. Well, I want to thank everybody for doing this today. Thank you so much. We're going to put out a recording for all the members at all the different journey locations. And of course on the overcomers podcast. So thank you guys for, uh, you know, being so generous with your time and sharing with everybody today. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com. Yeah!